the reading of his word. You may be seated. The tag for our study is simply kingdom living. Kingdom living. Let us pray. Father, you are kind. And you are good and you are wonderful. And you speak to us through your word. Father, you don't need me to speak. You have just spoken. And Father, I pray that your words have not fallen on hard soil, but seeds have been sown even now just from reading your word. And Father, by the power of your Holy Spirit, I ask that you would bring illumination from the revelation we have given by inspiration. And Father, that you would do a new thing in our hearts. Father, do a new thing. Cause us to love Jesus with a, with a radical love. Father, I ask that as your desire is to turn our world upside down, that we will let you turn us upside down, and that we will live for you and love you. So, Father, please speak to us today through your word and through this study that we may look more like Jesus. For your glory and namesake we do pray. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Beloved, there is much attention these days on the subject of citizenship. Who should be a citizen and who shouldn't be a citizen? Who we should let in and who shouldn't we let in? Who are, are valuable enough to receive this, this, this gift of a citizenship and who is unworthy of this citizenship? Much debate is going on even now and is causing much chaos and confusion in our government and in our nation. Beloved, there is much involved in becoming a citizen of the United States. A close friend of mine, uh, uh, being from Michigan, we're right there on uh, the, the border of Canada, and a, a close friend of mine had, had married a young lady from Canada, and the number of things that they had to go through as a couple in order for her to gain her citizenship was incredible. It took so much time and, and so much paperwork and so many trips, so much, uh, uh, so much difficulty in becoming a citizen. <clears throat> Not only is there paperwork, not only are, not only are there uh, fees to pay and trips to make, in becoming a citizen, they also have a test. And I didn't know, but I looked it up, and, and there, there, there's a two-part test. There's an English test, and there's a civics test. On the English test, you have to be able to speak English well. I'm glad I didn't have to take this test. You have to be able to read English, and you have to be able to write English. But not only that, there's a civics test, and there are basic questions about the American government and, and what are the first ten uh, constitutional uh, uh, amendments called and uh, what are the, the three branches of government. There, there, there's a civics test. And I tell you what, some of us in here better be glad we didn't have to take that test in order to become citizens of the United States. There's hurdles and hoops that folks have to jump through just to become a citizen 
in the United States. But people are willing to jump through hurdles and hoops because they want to be a citizen of the United States. No matter the difficulty, they, they still come. However, beloved, I'm so glad that the kingdom of God has a different interest requirements than the United States. Within the kingdom of God, the, the primary question is not, what do I need to do? The primary question is, what has already been done for me? In the kingdom, the emphasis is not on what you know. We always talk about what we know and who we know and how smart we are. But in the kingdom of God, it's not about what you know, it's about who you are. The kingdom of heaven is completely contrary to the kingdom of this world. And beloved, in Matthew's gospel, the kingdom of heaven is what's front and center. This is what we see taking place. The kingdom of heaven, just that phrase, is used over 30 times in the gospel of Matthew. The kingdom of heaven is what is in contrast to the kingdom of Satan. And the kingdom of God consists of the rule and the reign of God. There's no middle kingdom. There's no in-between. You either belong to the kingdom of heaven or you belong to the kingdom of Satan. In Jesus, we, the, 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 the kingdom of God has come to earth. For whatever, wherever the king rules, so also dwells the kingdom. You get that? Because Jesus and the kingdom are synonymous. Wherever Jesus walked, the kingdom belongs there. Wherever Jesus talks, that's where the kingdom is. Whoever Jesus touches, the kingdom rules and reigns in that place. And beloved, our desire here at Forest Baptist Church is that Jesus is walking in and out these doors. That Jesus is walking up and down these pews and uh, along the, the corridors and in the fellowship hall. Because if Jesus is not ruling and reigning and walking in this place, then we're just a decorated place called the kingdom of Satan. And we can keep acting like we do in church, but if Jesus is not here, we're living and dwelling in the kingdom of Satan. Interest into this kingdom has been secured by Jesus and comes through repentance and faith in his king. This is what Jesus declares in Matthew, the fourth chapter, in the 17th verse. What does Jesus say? Jesus says, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus is, 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 is helping us to understand what it means to be uh, a citizen in his kingdom. For repentance means that I have a renunciation of worldly authority and I'm turning to Jesus' authority and rule and righteousness instead. That's what repentance is. Think about it. When I repent, I'm saying, Satan, you have no more rule, no more, no more dominion over my life. When I repent, I'm saying, Lord, I belong to you and I don't belong to this world. Lord, you take over and you run things here. That's what we're saying when we repent. So when Jesus says, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, he says, a new king has come and he is conquering nations and he is conquering hearts. Whose kingdom do you belong to? We explored in Matthew, the fourth chapter, 
that this kingdom is a kingdom of hope, isn't it? I love the text where Matthew says he repeats the fulfillment of Isaiah, and he simply says, the people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. So many of us have been walking in darkness. And then one day Jesus showed up and gave us light and gave us grace and gave us mercy. A great light has come, and because the light has come, those people who were dwelling in the shadow of death, they are able to walk out into the mountain of grace. This kingdom is, a, is filled with a people called by Jesus. We see that as Jesus is walking down the, down the beach near the Sea of Galilee, he just calls out to, to, to Peter and, and his brothers and James and John and says, follow me. They weren't looking for Jesus, but Jesus sure was looking for them. And beloved, while you were in your mess, while you weren't even thinking about God, he came looking for you one day. And he knocked on your door and he just said to you, follow me. You, 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 you was thinking about what you was going to do that night. And Jesus said, follow me. He changed your whole destiny when he showed up and said, follow me. We have a Savior who came to get us. While we were acting a fool, Jesus stopped by and said, follow me. But this kingdom is also a kingdom full of power. Because when Jesus shows up, Satan has to flee. And Jesus, he is demonstrating his authority as he is teaching and proclaiming and healing in, uh, in the midst of this nation. As he was walking through Galilee, he begins to heal the sick those afflicted with various diseases, those who had been oppressed by demons, epileptics, and paralytics, Jesus is showing up and he's saying, be healed and Satan be gone. That's kingdom authority. The power of the kingdom has arrived. But now, now we've come to the king's first address to his people. Jesus ascends to the mountain near the Sea of Galilee, Jesus, the, the new and greater Moses, Jesus. Uh, and he ascends this mountain not to receive a word, in order, uh, a word from God in order to deliver it to the people. No, uh, 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 instead of going to the mountain like Moses and receiving a word to give to the people, Jesus ascends the mountain, and he gives the people the word from his very mouth like God did to Moses. The Sermon on the Mount is Jesus' what you may call manifesto for kingdom living. This is his declaration of intent for those who will come and be a part of his kingdom. And as we work our way through the Sermon on the Mount, beloved, Take Jesus at his word. As we read through the text, there was some stuff in there. You like, for real, Jesus? Yes, for real. Take Jesus at his word. He ain't playing. He ain't trying to trick you. He ain't trying to fool you. He ain't trying to run a game on you. Take Jesus at his word. When Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. What he means? That you are the salt of the earth. You have come to bring some type of impact upon the world in which you live. 
When Jesus says, everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment, take Jesus at his word. You run around here, got all kind of bitterness and unforgiveness in your heart. You just angry, going off on people all the time. Jesus says, you will be liable of judgment. Take him at his word. When Jesus, he speaks, and, and when he says that, for it is better to lose one of your members than for your whole body to go into hell, he ain't playing. Jesus said it's better to get rid of your iPad, your internet, and everything to keep you from sin because it's better than you ending up in hell. Well, you know, Jesus ain't really mean that. You know, I, I, I can still use my phone. I know, I know it's a stumbling block and it's a distraction. Jesus ain't really mean. Jesus ain't really mean for me to get rid of my iPhone, did he? Oh, no, Jesus, he, he, he really didn't mean if I was angry with somebody I, uh, that I, I'm, I'm liable to judgment. Don't Jesus know what they did to me? Oh, Jesus, oh, he couldn't mean that he wants me to be sexually pure for my entire life. Don't he know that every, you got to try before you buy it. Don't Jesus know that? Oh, no. Uh, take Jesus at his word. He ain't playing with us. He ain't telling us one thing and expecting something different. We need to take Jesus at his word. Beloved, Jesus is not making some type of exception for you. Oh, we love exceptions, don't we? Oh, we love exceptions. And the, the, the way that exceptions manifest themselves in our lives, we say things like, oh, not me. I know everybody else who took this road and fell and fall and stumbled, but not me. Not me. I, 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 you know, I can, I can be around weed and, and I'll be okay. Not me. I can be at the club all night and, and I, not me. I, 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 I can uh, get on the internet and click here and click there. I ain't going to fall. Not me. You think you got some type of exception clause from Jesus that everybody else going to fall, but not you. See, that, that is the, the, the biggest indication of pride in your life. You think you bigger and better than what you really are. Stop trying to make the abnormal the normal for your life. When Proverbs say there's a way that, that unto man that seems good, that seems well, that, that seems happy, but in its end it leads to death. Examine your life. Are you just living for yourself, living for pleasure, doing what you want to do, thinking that not me, I ain't going to hell. Jesus loved me, but Jesus, he does more than love you. We sang it today. He is a God of love, justice, and wrath. God will take you out if you keep acting a fool. We don't like to hear that. That was kind of weird singing that, wasn't it? Jesus, he's a jealous guy. He ain't supposed to be jealous. Well, see, jealousy is messed up because of our sin. But when you got a right to everybody else's life, when you're the author and finisher of our faith, when you are the creator and sustainer of all things, when you have the whole world in your hand, you could be jealous because you deserve worship, you deserve all the affection, and you deserve all the honor. We ain't, be, we ain't made nothing. We ain't built nothing. We ain't did nothing. So for us to be jealous is wrong, but for God to be jealous, it is just. Not me. They ain't going to catch me. They ain't going to see me. When Jesus says what happens in the dark will come to light, oh, he ain't talking about you? He talking about them. 
Stop playing with Jesus. We need to take Jesus at his word because there is no ex- ex- exception for you. And see, therein, that, isn't that, that's the problem, isn't it? We want to believe. We want to think that we can define kingdom living for ourselves and still go to heaven. I can, I can do whatever I want to do and still go to heaven. Beloved, you better take Jesus at his word when he says there's going to be so many folks that come up and say, Lord, Lord, didn't I do this? Lord, Lord, I taught Sunday school. Lord, Lord, I was baptized when I was five. Lord, Lord, I was an usher. Lord, Lord, I was a deacon. Lord, Lord, I was a preacher or a pastor. Lord, Lord, I did this. And he's going to say, depart. For I never knew you. Who, who Jesus is going to say that to? Not me. Why not you? The only way we can avoid that is if we know Jesus. We can't define our own kingdom because Jesus wants to turn your kingdom upside down. And in the Sermon on the Mount, this is what Jesus is doing. In our study, God is going to take everything that we thought and expected was right, and he's going to flip it on his head. And, and he's going to say, you have heard it said, but I say. You know how you get around your friends and your homies and people on the job, and they say one thing, but then you learn later on, now it's something else. And, beloved, there's, there's a way of the world in which we just, we, we so sophisticated, and, and we just, do the things that we desire to do, but there's no consequences. Jesus is saying to us today, you have heard it said, but I say. From this sermon, the disciples of Jesus learn what type of person lives in the kingdom. Disciples learn what influence those living in the kingdom should have on the world around them. Jesus will teach his citizens that life in the kingdom of heaven will be a countercultural life. Your life just can't be like everybody else's. In the Sermon on the Mount, subjects covered in the greatest sermon given by the greatest preacher include the Beatitudes, Christian impact, the role of the law in the life of the Christian. Jesus teaches us about dealing with anger and sexual sin. He, he teaches us about marriage and divorce. He teaches us about truthfulness, revenge, and dealing with enemies, spiritual disciplines, treasures of the heart. Jesus teaches us about anxiety and worry. Jesus teaches us about judgmentalism. He teaches us about seeking God, the narrow life of the, of the Christian, spiritual discernment, being known by God and building a life on a firm foundation. Look at all those topics of our life that Jesus covers in this sermon. And what we have right here is really just a summary of what Jesus was talking in that whole sermon. So Jesus didn't just sit down and only say this. He was there for a minute. There's even more glorious things that Jesus was talking about. We don't have them before us, but just the glimpse of what we have is enough to cover our lives. Kingdom living is the merging of what we believe 
with how we live. That's what kingdom living is. The merging about what we believe to be true about God and his word and merging it with how we live. So I just can't have head knowledge. I have to have heart affection. And my life has to reflect that what I say I believe. The Sermon on the Mount is, is not simply a list of rules. The Sermon on the Mount is an invitation to experience life as God intended it. The Sermon on the Mount is, per se, a bill of rights for the believer. The Sermon on the Mount is, is not an offer of oppression, but an appeal to prosperity that you may receive the riches of Christ Jesus. Jesus gives life because Jesus is life. And at its core, kingdom living is bowing to Jesus. Beloved, for the rest of our time this morning, quickly, I would just like to briefly give you two hermeneutical, two interpretive keys from the text to help us understand the entire Sermon on the Mount. And these two hermeneutical keys can be summed up as simply Kingdom living is for all comers. Kingdom living is for all comers. So to, to, to fully understand this sermon, you, you must keep in mind, who is Jesus speaking to? Who is Jesus talking to? And in Matthew, the fourth chapter with the 23rd verse, it, the, the text tells us, and he went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. So his fame spread throughout all Syria, and they brought him all the sick, those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, epileptics and paralytics, and he healed them. When, we, when you think about the Sermon on the Mount, you have to be uh, reminded of who is Jesus talking to. He's talking to the sick. He's talking to the disease. He's, he's talking to the oppressed. And, and think about those people in this historical context. One, one way we, that we can understand the historical context is when we think about the story of the ten lepers. And the ten lepers were, they were set aside in society. They were all to themselves. No one would go near them and no, no one would touch them. So here you have people who are sick and oppressed. So what does that mean? That means they are marginalized. They are set aside. They, they, they are lowly. No one really cares about them. No one is really going to bat for them. No one is speaking about their rights or advocating for them. These are people who are, who are just set aside. That is who Jesus is talking about uh, uh, as, as he is coming unto them. And I believe Matthew wants us to understand and he wants us to see is that kingdom living is really for the weak. Kingdom living is for the weak. But in the kingdom of the world, what do we say? Only the strong survive. And in this world, we want to Put on a, a, the best face. Ain't nothing bothering me. I'm strong. I'm, I'm tough. I'm, I'm smart. And, and, and as I go into the world, I'm, I'm trying to put out a false image of myself so people will see me as strong and not weak. But, beloved, the, the kingdom of God is only for the weak. 
there's even culture within the church that says, don't be too transparent about your problems and pain. Don't let, it, don't let, don't let folks know what's going on. Kingdom living is for the weak. Realize that Jesus, he, he didn't come for the strong, but he came for the weak. I love the text in Luke's gospel. Luke, the fourth chapter, verses 18 and 19. Jesus, he, he walks into the synagogue, and he, he, he just drops the mic on him. Jesus says this, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to do what? To proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. Jesus didn't come for people who think they got it all together. Jesus has come for the people who know they broke down, they know they low down, they know they don't know they're right from their left, they've been acting a fool their life. Jesus came for broke folks. Jesus don't run your credit before he come to your door. He don't charge you a premium on his salvation because you got a less than 600 credit score. Jesus is coming for those people who are broken, bankrupt, because what he does is he fills your bank account with his righteousness. He said they understand when they came to this game, they ain't got nothing, and I'm everything, so now they would glorify him. Luke 19 and 10 reminds us, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. If you already think you found, then Jesus ain't come for you. Kingdom living is for the weak. Kingdom living is for you. But, but there's another group here. There's another group of people that Jesus is speaking to. Remember, as we go through this entire study, who is Jesus talking? Who is Jesus talking? He's talking to weak folks, but then also there's another group, and we see this group in verse 5, verses 1 through 2. Chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. Seeing the crowds, he went up to the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Beloved, there's a difference between the crowds and the disciples. Though many may be in range to hear Jesus' words, Jesus is only speaking to his disciples. And it's easy to, to, to think that Jesus is, he, he, he got his 12 disciples to come to him. But in Matthew's gospel, we see that the, 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 the disciples, the, they don't give fully form to chapter 10. At this, at this point, he, he got four disciples. Who those other folks? Who those other folks? His disciples. Beloved, when Jesus comes on the scene, he's preaching, he's preaching, he's preaching, he's healing, he's healing, he's healing. And as he is working transformation in people's lives, some people come to him and become disciples. Now, beloved, there are some people who hear Jesus and they they hear a get-rich-quick scheme. And they want to use Jesus only as a genie in a bottle. Jesus, what can you do for me? How can you bless my life? But as soon as Jesus says, this is what required of you, they're like, I'm straight. Those ain't disciples. That's the crowd. If you're here today and you just go to church because your grandma made you go, because someone in your family made you go, because you just think it's the right thing to do, you may be in ear range of what Jesus is saying, but you still may be part of the crowd. Jesus is only speaking to his disciples. 
There is a difference between those who follow Jesus because of who he is and those who follow Jesus just because of what he does. So not only is kingdom living for the weak, kingdom living is for disciples. As we walk through this text, We need to be asking ourselves over and over again, am I a weak disciple? Am I a weak follower? Or do I think I got it together? Do I send in my little little, little seat on Sunday and I talk about how everybody else ain't got it right, how they look this way and how they talk like this and look at their kids and look at their baby, their son, their daughter, and, and, and we talking about everyone. Oh, you sitting right there, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. Are you coming in strong? I'm blessed and highly favored. Ain't nothing wrong with me. Or you coming in broke? And you know it's been a long week. And I need you to pray for me. And guess what? When you pray for me, I'm going to pray for you. And we should walk up and up. We should walk around this church and see little prayer huddles all the time. We should see sounding and hallelujah, not just in the sanctuary, but in the fellowship hall. We should hear glory, hallelujah, in a foyer because people are praying together because we know we weak followers of Jesus. Ain't no superstars in this place. Ain't no heroes in this house because the only one that's been lifted up is here and here is Jesus Christ crucified because Jesus says, if I be lifted up, not if you be lifted up, not if me be lifted up. He says, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. We need to lift the Savior up in here. And I threw this one in on the side. This, this is a side. One of them extra hookups. You know you go through the drive-thru, somebody you know work there, they throw you some extra fries. It's a hookup. Beloved, you can't expect to obey Jesus when you don't belong to Jesus. And you can't expect others to obey Jesus if they don't belong to Jesus. A pagan going to act like a pagan. You try, you wrecking your brain. I don't, un, I don't know why they act like that. They don't know Jesus. I, I just don't get it. Why are they doing this and why? I, I, I don't understand. You can't expect an unbeliever to act like a believer. Because a believer is someone who has been radically changed from the inside out. Jesus has done something in their life and they can't help but act different because their insides is different. But Jesus finishes like this. In verse 1, it said, his disciples did what? Came to him. Kingdom living is for all comers. It's for the weak and the broken and the sinful. That's all. But yet you still got to come. All who came to him. Before you can enter into the kingdom of heaven, you got to operate on a step of faith. 
You can't just say, I like Jesus, I like what he's done, uh, this makes sense to me, he died on the cross for my sins, but you need to take the step of faith. You got to get off your high horse and get low. And you got to say, I, I, I'm going to leave my pride up here, and I'm going to come down to the foot of the cross, and I'm, and I'm going to recognize that I, I, I'm a sinner in need of salvation. I, I ain't worried about they sin. I, I'm worried about my sin. And I'm worried about not just my sin. I'm worried about how my sin separates me from a holy and righteous and great God. And how my sin will lead me into hell for all eternity because I'm rebelling against a good and great and wonderful God. See, I have to, I have to get low. So I got to take a step of faith and I got to come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. You know how we sing? We don't just sing that song just because it's a fancy tune. We sing, you got to come. You can't, you can't stand back and be a Christian. You got to be all in to be a Christian. You can't sit on your seat and think that everything, I'm, I'm going to go to heaven because I went to church. No, I'm going to go to heaven because Jesus knows my name. We got to come. Kingdom living is for disciples. Beloved, there's one key in this text. In chapter 5, verse 48, Jesus says something crazy. It's one of those crazy things he says. Take Jesus at his word. You, therefore, must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. If you want to live in the kingdom of heaven, Jesus says you must be perfect. Well, I know Jesus don't really mean, no, take him at his word. He means perfect. He means that, that, that you, you do everything right. That you don't lie and you don't cuss and you don't get angry and you don't get frustrated and you don't get impatient and you don't, and, and you don't uh, uh, be unforgiving. You not controlling. You must be perfect. See, but no one is perfect. Romans 3 says, none is righteous. No, not one. Well, is Jesus setting up a contradiction here? We got to be perfect, but yet I know I'm sinful. That should cause some, some mental uh uh, that, that, some, some, that, that should hurt your brain. He, he wants me to be perfect, but yet I'm a sinner. But the text of Scripture reveals to us that the reason why Jesus can set the life in front of us that he sets in the Sermon on the Mount is because he already lived that life. And the Bible says that Jesus came to live the life that you could not live and that he came and died the death that you deserve. And when we place our faith and trust in Jesus Christ and him alone, not the church, not, not, not in just going to Bible study, not just going to Sunday, not, not because my grandma was saved, not because my uncle was saved, not, not because my mom and daddy was saved, no, but because Jesus has called you to himself, and he walked to your door and said, follow me, and you get off your backside and you begin to follow him, it's, it's only then will you be saved. He is calling a people to himself, and when we repent and turn and understand who he is, the righteousness that we lack, he gives unto us, 
And now we are saved by grace through faith. Though I did not live this perfect life, his righteousness is as credited to me as if I was righteous. So because Jesus did it, I got it. Though I was bankrupt and though I was empty, he has filled up my cup and it is overflowing now because of who he is. So though he caused me to be perfect and I'm a sinner, I found righteousness through the cross of Christ Jesus. And now when I stand before God, he looks at me, he don't see my sin. He don't see my brokenness. He don't see my weakness. He sees the nail-scarred arms of his son, Jesus Christ. When he looks at you, he sees the crown of thorns. When he looks at you, he sees you pierced in the side. When he looks at you, he hears the son's voice say to Talestai, it is finished. When he looks at you, he sees you laying your head down because you were stretched wide and you was hung high. When he looks at you, he don't see your mess, but he sees an old rugged tomb. And when he looks at you, he sees one day, he sees two day, and he sees three day. So now when Jesus uh, gets up from the grave, God sees him in you, and it's just as he got up, we can get up too. And with all power in our hands, because of the righteousness and the inheritance we receive from Christ Jesus. Oh, baby, that's the gospel. That's the euangelion, the, the good news. I don't know about you, that's good news. That my, my, my sinfulness has been washed away. My brokenness has been lifted off of my back. And I'm, I'm operating from a position of victory. I've already won. It doesn't matter what Satan says. I'm already more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. It's only when I walk up in here weak, I can really say I'm blessed and highly favored. Because those blessings comes from the blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood of Jesus. Though my sin was as crimson, stained, uh, he washed me white as snow. Jesus is looking for weak followers. Today, kingdom living is for all comers. All comers. I implore you. I beg you. Come to Jesus today. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your supreme sacrifice. Thank you for doing the impossible and reconciling our sinful and wretched and evil lives to a holy and righteous God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for the hope we have in you. We no longer have to look to ourselves, but we look to you. I ask, Lord, that you would break our hearts for Jesus today and that we would let you turn our worlds upside down. For your glory, for your namesake, we do pray. Amen.